RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Rage on the River Zambezi by John Dyson. Without realising it, the river guide and his clients were headed straight towards the rogue hippo's territory. Welcome to the mighty Zambezi, Paul Templer said to the six tourists he was about to lead on a three-hour trip down one of Africa's longest rivers. Heading towards Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, the group hoped to see elephants, crocodiles and hippopotamuses. It was a perfect afternoon, with a blue sky and a cooling breeze. The 27-year-old guide briefed the three couples. We call it the Royal Drift because we do the paddling and your job is to sit back and relax, Templar said. Then he motioned towards the revolver in a holster on his belt. But there are dangers, he warned. The river's full of crocodiles, so don't trail your hand in the water. It will look like a fish, and that's what crocs snack on. The next hazard is hippos, Templar continued. Hippos are territorial, so we know which areas to avoid. But a hippo having a bad day may decide to bump your canoe. A big hit could tip you into the water. If that happens, don't panic, he continued. Hippos won't eat you. They're vegetarians. Templar's team included freelance canoeing guide Mike McNamara, 31, and paddlers Ben Sibanda, 24, and Evans Namasango, a cheerful, hard-working 22-year-old who had recently taken exams to qualify as an apprentice guide. Templar had liked Namasango from the start and tutored him almost every day. Templar divided the tourists. In his boat were Joachim Starman and his wife Gundi, from the outskirts of Bremen, Germany. In Sabanda's canoe were Muriel Fischer and her fiancé, Pierre Lagardère, while Natalie Grasset and Mark Skorupka went with Namasango. Templar's heart was singing as the little flotilla pushed out into the Zambezi's gentle current. He had grown up with one foot in the bush, living mainly on remote military bases. His father had been an officer for the former British colony of southern Rhodesia before it became Zimbabwe. With the beefy shoulders of a butterfly swimmer and the strong build of a rugby fullback, Templar was a gifted athlete with a streak of recklessness. While working in Israel, he tried to drive a tractor across a minefield into Jordan to buy beer. The prank got him expelled from the country. Back home in Zimbabwe, he was camping with friends on the shore of Lake Kariba when he saw a canoe safari pass by. That's the way to go, he told himself. With his usual high-spiritedness, he knocked off what was normally a year-long course in law, ballistics and natural history in three months to pass the stiff exams to become a professional river guide. Templar was made for the job, and for more than 18 months he had been overseeing canoe trips for Frontiers Tours. As a professional guide, Templar's job was to bring tourists and wildlife together. The trick was to keep them apart. Once he intercepted several Japanese visitors as they were walking up to some lions, cameras clicking. And there were hippos, one of Africa's most dangerous animals. In a bull hippo, the two central lower teeth, up to 20 centimetres long, point straight out like the bars of a forklift. And the two massive canine teeth, curving down from the top of the jaw, slide against the two jutting up from the bottom, keeping them sharp like the blades of hedge cutters. Every so often the hippos bumped a canoe, sometimes spilling passengers into the water. One guide had lost a leg to a hippo two years before. 
and only six months ago, a big bull hippo suddenly smacked the bottom of Templar's canoe, catapulting him and two passengers into the water. The same hippo chased and bumped other boats as well. Soon the river guides, a close-knit group, were passing word about the rogue's locale so it could be avoided. But now, as Templar led the flotilla through a gauntlet of rocky islands, he did not know that the rogue hippo had moved. He was leading his flotilla straight into the animal's new territory. Templar's canoe drifted lazily just a paddle's length from the shoreline of an island. Barely 27 metres away was a herd of hippos, their dark hides red with a secretion that protects them from sunburn, giving rise to the idea that they sweat blood. In a whisper, Templar explained that a hippo could be 1.5 metres high at the shoulders, 4.2 metres from the snout to tail tip, and weighs several tonnes. That's more than my BMW, Joachim thought. Let's move on, Templar said, dipping his paddle. As they passed a mother hippo lying in the water, her calf dozing with its chin on her back, the sun was dropping towards the treetops. In 40 minutes, Templar knew the group must be at the landing where a truck would take the tourists back to their hotels. McNamara bumped his kayak down a wide 300-centimetre-high ledge of rock over which the river cascaded into a pool about 60 metres across. Sabanda, angling into the current, was next, with Templar and then Namasango following close behind. Templar wrapped his canoe to encourage any hippos hidden below the water to surface so that the paddlers could avoid them. Suddenly there was a noise like a thunderclap. Bam! A bull hippo hit Namasango's canoe, throwing the back into the air and sending Namasango tumbling out. Templar whipped around in his seat to see the back end of Namasango's canoe on the shoulders of a hippo, the rogue hippo. The beast opened its huge mouth and then submerged abruptly. As the canoe's two remaining passengers, Grasset and Skorupka, fought to keep it level, Namasango bobbed up in the water, gasping. Templar backpaddled his canoe towards Namasango. Hold on, I'm on my way, he yelled. Left without a paddle or spare paddle, Grasset and Skorupka worked the water madly with their hands to get out of the hippo's reach. Sabanda, who was now bringing up the rear, turned his canoe into the shallows a few metres away. His passengers, Fisher and Lagardere, scrambled onto a rocky outcrop. Namasango reached for the side of Templar's canoe. Templar saw the risk of being capsized at that angle. No, come around the back, he told Namasango. With one stroke, Templar positioned the back of his canoe within Namasango's reach. The hippo won't return, he told himself. The Starmans leaned to the right, balancing the canoe as Templar twisted left and leaned out of the boat, extending a hand for Namasango to grab. Their fingers were just centimetres apart when the hippo exploded out from the water between them like a pickup truck with its hood open. Water and spray flew from its muzzle, a roar like a gunned engine blasted from its pink and orange throat. In an instant, the hippo took Templar into its mouth head first. Its huge upper teeth pierced his armpits, punctured the small of his back, pinning both arms to his sides. Then the beast disappeared beneath the surface again. So cleanly did it happen that Templar's canoe remained upright for one long moment before it slowly toppled, dumping the Starmans into the river. Pulling Templar four metres underwater, the hippo played with the 91-kilogram man like a dog with a rag doll. Templar, face down inside the hippo's mouth, didn't know where he was. Everything was black. 
Am I inside something? he wondered. Suddenly the vice-like pressure came off Templar's chest. As the hippo opened its jaws, Templar got one arm free and felt around wildly. His fingers felt the hard bristles of the hippo's snout. Jackknifing his body to get leverage, Templar pushed with all his might. He felt strangely calm as if watching himself in a film. His other arm came free and he found a leathery lip to push on. The hippo's teeth gashed his cheeks in the back of his head. Suddenly it released him and Templar swam towards the light. His head shot above the water's surface, blood gushing down his face. The first thing he saw was Namasango, gasping and struggling to tread water. Swim, Evans! We're going to the side, Templar yelled. But Namasango seemed to be in shock, so Templar took his chin in the crook of his bloody elbow and pulled him towards the riverbank. Suddenly, Templar felt his leg pinned by an enormous weight. The hippo was back. This time it grabbed Templar from below, its sharp tooth boring into his foot, pulling him under. Templar released his grip on Namasango, hoping that he would reach the surface. Templar knew that the hippo could stay underwater for six minutes and knew that he could only last three or four. In a frenzy of desperation, Templar kicked and clawed at the hippo's snout. His trapped leg came free, but now his arm was jammed in the beast's mouth. Templar summoned his ebbing strength for more blows on the bristly snout. Let go of me! And suddenly it did. When McNamara saw Templar's head break the surface, he swung his kayak towards him. Swim to me! he shouted. But the hippo got there first. Thrusting its body half out of the water, the beast snatched Templar's torso in its jaws. Templar's head and shoulders hung out of one side of the hippo's mouth, his legs out the other. His left arm was slashed between a pair of scissoring canines and two teeth bored into his chest. Templar felt his ribs being splintered. In a frenzy, the hippo started dunking Templar in and out of the water. A metre-long jet of bright red blood spurted from Templar's side as the hippo's teeth cut an artery. Templar felt his body being whipped up and down. With his free hand he tried to reach his revolver, but discovered it was gone. He was out of breath. I can't take any more, he thought. But he continued to fight, punching the hippo's tough hide with his one free hand. Suddenly the hippo gave up. It spat Templar into the water and left him. He bobbed up next to McNamara's kayak. Get me out of here, he mumbled, grabbing the kayak's rope. As McNamara pulled him to shallow water, Templar's first thought was to rescue the people he was responsible for. We have to get them to the bank, he said, gasping. Where's Evans? Fisher and Lagardere saw Namasango appear on the surface about 45 metres downriver. He waved his arm above his head, then sank. The hippo, leaping like a horse, burst clear out of the water and landed on the spot where Namasango had just been. Then the pain hit Templar and he slumped in the water. It chewed me up pretty bad, he said, groaning. Inside Templar's tattered sleeve, McNamara saw a mess. The upper arm was crushed in two places, the lower part stripped of flesh. He had lost a lot of blood from the wounds in the sides of his chest, and his left foot was crushed to a pulp. One lung was visible through a gaping hole in his back. The first aid box and two-way radio were lost when Templar's canoe overturned. When they got him back to the sandbank, Templar complained that he could feel his lungs filling with blood. McNamara ripped the cellophane wrap off their snack food 
and sealed the holes in Templar's chest, hoping to prevent his lungs from collapsing. Sabanda snatched up his paddle. Go, McNamara told him, pushing the canoe out into the current. Paul is going downhill fast, McNamara thought. He won't make it. In six minutes of hard paddling, Sabanda reached the landing. By chance, the local medical rescue team was conducting an emergency drill. They drove Templar to the local hospital, but it had no surgeon. The nearest one was 435 kilometres away, in Bulawayo. When Templar arrived there at 1am, orthopedist Beketemba Ngube, 41, was waiting. The patient was a mess, but it could have been worse. Had the axillary artery in one armpit not been cut so cleanly that it sealed itself, Templar would have bled to death in less than a minute. Had the massive puncture wounds in his back not been made at an angle, which created flaps that stopped air leaking into his chest, his lungs would have collapsed. In a seven-hour operation, Nkube patched him up and amputated the damaged left arm. After two days of searching, the body of Emmons Namasango was found downriver. Along with the mighty Zambezi, none of the old-timers can recall a hippotac as long or as fierce as the one Paul Templer survived. Undaunted, the river guide, fitted with a prosthetic arm in London, has returned to Zimbabwe to start his own tourist business. Although professional hunters urge Zimbabwe Department of National Parks and Wildlife to shoot the rogue hippo, it is still in the river, waiting. Since his attack, Paul Templer has built a career as an author, motivational speaker and adventurer, helping people overcome adversity. He released the book What's Left of Me, where he recalled the attack. I was engulfed in darkness. It was as if I had suddenly gone blind or deaf. I was aware that my legs were surrounded by water, but my top half was almost dry. I was trapped in something slimy. There was a terrible sulfurous smell, like rotten eggs, and a tremendous pressure against my legs. My arms were trapped, but I managed to free one hand and felt around. My palms passed through the wiry bristles of the hippo's snout. It was only then that I realised I was underwater, trapped up to my waist in its mouth. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia 